into to the online broadcast network. After Buzz TV, over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Don't what a beautiful song. Thank you. You're welcome. Stunning. <laughs> Amazing. I chose it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I chose it. Yeah. Yeah. We did. We chose it. I agreed. Welcome, After Buzzers. Sorry, guys. I just totally interrupted you uh, to another Hindsight After Show. If you haven't already done so, please rate, review, subscribe, YouTube, iTunes. We're on SoundCloud now. We also love hearing from you guys on Twitter, all of you guys tweeting at us, giving us comments, you know, reactions. We now have our own hashtag, ABTV Hindsight. Um, we're going to all give our Twitters in a moment so you guys can interact with us. We're going on the live feed at AfterBuzz.com. So if you guys have questions, because we have a very special guest with us tonight, the creator of the show, yes. Emily Fox. Round of a, sorry, and I just will address this for those of you watching. <laughs> I, I cut my hand on a tuna can last week, so that's why I have, and I have to have it raised all the time, so it looks like I have a weird claw. We're all going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Just make it feel, oh, yeah. Make yeah. feel at home. Solidarity. It's got to be like, put a ring on it, you know? Put a ring on it already. Um, I'm your host this evening. Thank you, Steven. Sam Davidson. You can find me on Twitter at SamD43. Here are my lovely co-hosts. Introduce yourselves. Tell us where we can find you on Twitter. At one two three Jackie underscore B. Hey, uh, Michael. Uh, Jackie Borowski, by the way. Oh, okay. hey. <laughs> Announced uh, that. <laughs> Michael Andrew, Michael underscore Drew. That's E A L. They always put A E L. No disrespect to A E L, Michaels. Hey guys, I'm Hannah. You can tweet at me at the Hotshot Dude. That's an amazing. That's that's amazing. I know. Every time I say it, everybody's like, "Come what? <laughs> what did she say?" Yep, at the Hotshot Dude. And Logan. Emily, where can we find you on I'm Twitter? At the Duchess Foxy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good name. Dude. See? Yeah. That's really good. Dude. That's it's more royal. It's more <laughs> <very> <laughs> like, titled. It's <laughs> slightly more classy than well, mine. I'm <laughs> well, I am so thrilled. All of us are thrilled to have Emily here. I love this show. Literally, I added it to my Facebook as favorite shows. <laughs> I and that is a big. That's a really big deal. That's big. It's a big deal. Um, tonight we'll be discussing season one, episode six, entitled "Tragic Kingdom." This was a bit of a downer, I must say. But you need is this downers. a reference to No Doubt. I believe so, yeah. Okay. I, the 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 writer who wrote this episode, Meredith Philpot, named the you know, gave it a title. Everyone titled their own episode. Oh. And I think that was something inspiring for her and um, you know, it's it does of course recall, no doubt, but it mm-hmm. also has the double meaning. I just I had to ask. Yeah. Way to holla back, girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well have all the episodes been references to songs? Because I know next week is the cranberries, right? So I'm like, are, is every episode title a reference no. to music in some capacity? No. 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 Okay, I made that up. There's no, there's no. <laughs> that sounded good. We thought about it, but no, the, um some most of the titles are 
Yeah, they're really selected by each writer as something that's meaningful, hmm. and you'll you'll see why the cranberries is called the cranberries. Oh, okay. I'm excited. Amazing. I'm so excited, and I'm sad. There's only ten episodes. First of all, we only have four left. Um, that's but true. tonight, yeah. let's start off with talking about Becca and Andy. Okay. This is such a complicated relationship that is so hard to tackle just in general because in her head, they have so much history. In his head, she's just the girl that he's always had a crush on that all of a sudden is like weirdly obsessed with him. Right. So he gets in this car accident. He di- we knew he wasn't going to die. I mean, thank God. But I don't know. I was, I was, I was thought it was going to be a plot twist. Really? Oh, yeah. I well mean, then, how do you how do you do the whole Team Andy Team Sean thing if Andy's there? <laughs> Maybe they they, well, could, they could switch you know, it up. You, you, Team Ghost Andy? Just because <laughs> I mean, it's gone. No, but yeah. we, no. I think there was. Uh, you know, we wanted obviously for there to be. Yeah, the question. I know. You know I, really, that, I, I thought he was. I thought there was a potential he might die only because I see TV shows nowadays. They're oh, not they're afraid very yeah. To just like willy nilly kill the person you least expect. Right. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Right. Well, and there's also that question about time travel, about going back and changing things, that one little change could, I don't know, potentially kill somebody. And that is what Becca is thinking she did. She all of a sudden has been so obsessed with Andy, she wants to be with him, and now she's kind, she doesn't want to be with him because she went to church in the hospital. Hospital chapel. In the hospital chapel, and she said, whatever I need to do to fix this, to have him be okay. And then, you know, next thing we know, he's okay. And she took that as a sign that, like, it's me. Like, I'm a leper. We're not meant to be together. She thinks she is his kryptonite. Mm -hmm. You know, she thinks that this is, every time she gets near him, like, something bad happens to him. And she keeps, you know, she's she's still trying to figure out why all of this is happening to her. And I thought, you know, this episode was especially interesting because she does turn to God. You know, as a, a lot of guys. Yeah, it's like, there's, like there's anybody, anybody. She's anybody. like, hey she's guys, like, I'm like, a Ooh. blanket proposal here. Just any of you here. <laughs> Which I'm was really here. good because you didn't expect right. that. You when the camera turned, I was like, I, I chuckled out loud. Right. <laughs> like, you know, you need a joke I in a moment that. like that because mm-hmm. it can't just be like she's, you know, she's here talking to God. It's like, are you there, God? It's me, Becca. Like <laughs> anybody. So she's anyway. But what I think she's looking for some guidance, and I think she's the fact of the matter is there is no guidance. There's no one here to tell her what to do. People can make suggestions. Mm. Certainly, Lolly has been doing that all along. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, trying to figure out, like, and she says it in that scene. She says, I want to do the right thing, but I want to follow my heart. How do I do both? Mm-hmm. And I think in the moment that she hears the doctor say to Andy, you're one of the lucky ones, is when she realizes, I can't do both. I can only do the right thing. Because if I follow my heart, it's too treacherous. It's too dangerous. There's too many unknowns. I'm too afraid of what could happen to other people. You know, and Lolly makes the counter argument. It's like, well, we're all, anything could happen to anybody at any time. Like, you can't shut yourself up in a box and never do anything. But at the same time, like, you have to, you have to make decisions that feel right for you. And in that moment, the decision that feels right for Becca is to push this guy, not push him away, but sort of protect him from her. That has to be so confusing for Becca, though. And that's what I was thinking when I was watching it today, because after she said that, of, she wants to make the right decision, but if you go back in time and everyone, if you go back in time and it's all on you, like you're the only one back on t- in time. Mm-hmm. She didn't go back with anyone else. So of course, everyone, the whole world revolves around you. Like you have to think of that. Exactly. So I mean, if you're not, if you're not there to be selfish, what are you there for? Right. I so, mean, I would, you know, that's she wants to do the right thing, but there has to be a piece of it that's like 
If I didn't come here to be selfish, then what am I here for? I don't think it's entirely selfish, though, because there are some instances where she realizes she's changed history. Um, I forgot the character's name, but the the girl who didn't meet her husband. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, cousin Phoebe. Yeah, Cousin, cousin Phoebe. Phoebe. Yeah. When she didn't meet her husband, she was like, no, I have to make this happen. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't think it's... I mean, I think we see it a certain way because she's the only time traveler, but at the same time, I don't think she's not... I don't think she's not altruistic. Yeah, and I mean, I think she thinks she's a lot more powerful than she really might be. I mean, she's just one girl, and, you know, she was sent back for a reason, and she wanted to change things, and so it kind of sucks that now that Andy got hurt, she's like, well, now I'm not going to change things. You know, now, like, what is she going to do? Well, I mean, she's still, everything she does changes things. Right. Right. And I think she's both feeling, yeah, I'm, you know, she's got this power and the knowledge that she has and that's power, but it's also sort of crippling for her. She's mm-hmm. also really powerless. Yeah. Because yeah. now, you know, the further and further she gets from that sort of moment of impact, the more choices she makes that are different, even from the little micro decisions mm-hmm. to the bigger ones, like quitting her job or calling off her wedding, like now everything's changed. She's in this total uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. And I think she's, in a way, it's sort of a metaphor for anybody growing up and saying, well, like, I just don't know what's going to happen next. So I don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed because I'm so afraid that, like, I could get hurt. Someone else could get hurt. Someone in my family could get hurt. Or, like, I could just screw this up, you know? Forget about getting hurt. I mean, that's that's right. an extreme. But there's also, like, all these little decisions where you're like, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's kind of life. Like, everyone kind of wakes up every day and says, I'm going to do, like, ten wrong things today. <laughs> yeah. Like, think- and it's just, like, and they're... Anyway, yeah. I think one of the reasons uh, I find this show, I actually find this show very like refreshingly relatable because in so many shows you have these characters making these like decisions that they're like I have. They make these bold decisions that they're like I have to do this thing because it's right for me and I changed my life now. But even even when she goes back in time and she's like I have to go back and make the right decision, she still doesn't know what the right decision is. And you're like that is so human because yeah. That that's how everybody feels. Everybody, especially in this in an age where there's there's so many choices to have, I think um, everybody feels that way. Like, what if I date this person or that person or have this job or that job? It how will it affect my life? And will I made the right or wrong decision? And maybe it's not that there are right or wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really awesome. Like watching it. Going back in time, it gives her that opportunity when you were talking about, like, her being selfish or whatnot. It allows her to be selfish in a liberating way for herself that she can go back and know what can find her in her 20 years from now. But she can go back and be like, I can liberate myself from all of these things that I know later on I was only suppressed by. But then with everybody else, it allows her to be so selfless and she helps them to find their right path to some degree. Um, it honestly actually intrigues me with her relationship with Sean because knowing that the path that they go down, I think there's like a wonderful opportunity for her to help him with his artistry and that relationship hmm. to grow. Yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. And that's so interesting because like now, again, it's like, you know, the the I mean, she's 10 steps beyond now where she called off her wedding to Sean. Sean is now a different person. You know, mm-hmm. he's not the guy that married that girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only been, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but it's still like this guy's different now. Yeah. Like everything's kind of different. And that's both 
kind of it's terrifying it's thrilling it's you know I know that if I like went back 20 years and revisited I'd be, I would be so freaked out like completely I'd be like I don't know I don't know I just don't know <laughs> I don't know I only know one thing that that thing that worked yeah so and then it might not work again I'd, I'd freak out <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just insane. And now, you know, Becca kind of made this decision like, Andy, Andy, this is my guy. Now it's not her guy. We'll get into that. But I also want to get into Becca and Melanie. Super interesting relationship. Oh, no yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not Melanie's biggest fan. She's kind of, I mean, it, it's not her fault, though. It's not, <laughs> it's her, not fault. her fault. <laughs> it's the position that she's in. Is He's trying to steal her, she, uh, she's trying to steal her man. I exactly. mean, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Right. I mean, From her point of view, Becca sucks. Yeah. And we love Becca. So, you know, we're like, go away, Melanie. Yeah. But what did you, you know, when creating the character, I thought, because, you know, I think it was first episode when she goes, fire that temp. She's going to suck. Yeah, that was, well, that temp that she was talking about was actually not Oh, it Melanie. wasn't Melanie? Yeah, no, it, 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 what, Melanie is also a temp. She's like a floater on okay. the, in the, like, office. The temp that she was that she had hired was supposed to just cover her desk during her honeymoon, which oh, she then doesn't take. I'm so glad. No, no, no. Yeah. and that's like one of those things where, like, I was watching it. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> if only there were a way to go back in time and just explain that. <laughs> but if, you know, when you're running out on your wedding and you're yelling at your boss, you're not really going to get into it. Like, I don't mean Melanie. I mean the other temp. Yeah. But it's still like, no. So Melanie works at the office, right. and Melanie's like a floater, and I have. First of all, I must go on record to say I love Melanie. Yes. Like, Melanie, to me, is so misunderstood. <laughs> like, she's... And this is in part because I love the actress who mm-hmm. plays her so much. Jesse Hodges is magnificent. And a lot of what Melanie became was Jesse's interpretation of Melanie. Like, Melanie was really just supposed to be, like, a little bridge and tunnel, a little, like, you know, like, looking to Becca as, like, you know, I... I want to be you. And then the minute Becca starts making those like eyeballs at her man, she's like, I want to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's sort of been sort of the interesting evolution of Melanie is watching her like inner, like come out where it's like, Oh wait, no, no, no. Like this is my territory. This is my man. Like, yeah, don't, don't do that. And so she's, you know, everyone like every time everyone's like, Oh, Melanie, I'm like, Oh no, Melanie is like, she's trying to protect what rightfully belongs to her. Yeah. I mean, it does, but at the same, at the same, it just, it's a frenemy relationship because it does seem, you know, she's looked up to Becca. Becca Mm -hmm. is kind of, you know, she, she got in her job and she introduced Andy and Melanie as well. So she, she did that. Yeah. yeah. She just likes her, but she hates her. And tonight in this episode, she was just like, please don't be nice. Right. Yeah. I I like that part. It was interesting. They really saw, this was the first chance for both of them to see the other one's humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I do, I, I think too in the, in episode four where Becca and Andy are at the Halloween party and Melanie kind of bursts in and confronts them. You know, that's also, I have said too, that that's, that's sort of what wakes Becca up at that moment to say like, oh, this is bigger than just me and Andy and whether or not we're meant to be together. There's someone else in this triangle who really should be considered. Yeah. You know, this is a person. Like, I'm. It makes every decision hard. Like, yeah. I, this, after, when this episode was finished, I just looked at Beck like, man. Like, literally every. There's like a. Fo- <laughs> there's like. There's no right way to go. No. Literally, it's like, well, if I do this, it ruins everyone's life. Right. I think, I think what, <laughs> what what Becca's starting to realize, though, is like, kind of like the point you brought up earlier, where the world isn't just hers. It's not like all these people are disposable and at her like beck and call. I mean, she even the decision she makes at the end of the episode to go back to Sean, it's like, 
Well, then that has consequences because he missed Paige's um, his her play. Her play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but this is like this is the only thing I have with that. How is it not hers? She's the she went back in time. The, it, like I would, the whole world kind of does revolve around her. Like if you wake up one day like oh I'm in the past, it must be me. Yeah. I, it's yeah. all me. So it's like. I don't know. And I it, just, yeah, I mean, yeah, she's she certainly is. Well, it's fun because she's she's really you know she's she is our point of view. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's the you know she lets us kind of see the '90s through like her le- the lens of today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a huge part of her struggle. Is am I am I like the puppet master up here with these marionette yeah. strings? Yeah. But yet I'm I feel this profound sense of responsibility to my marionette it's like mm-hmm. i can't just say like oh well i'm a time traveler obviously like i i'm special i'm unique i'm different i've been removed from the space-time continuum that seems you know fairly remarkable um i'm gonna just I, i'm gonna change my life and change everybody's life you know because it would be a shame to waste this opportunity but then on the other hand you know she is this very like she has a really i think a fairly like strong like moral center Mm-hmm. And she's very like keenly aware of the consequences. She's not like a cartoon character who's like, "Oh, out of my way! I'm a time traveler." <laughs> like she's, you know, she's she Mine, under- come on. Yeah. She understands there are other like like hearts and minds and feelings and and ambitions and goals and whatever. Like all these other people have other things to do and places to be. Yeah. yeah. And you know, she's disrupting them, knowing that she's changing things. Well, and from Melanie's point of view, I mean, Becca seems like a total, you know. It's with me. Bad, bad mm-hmm. person. <laughs> and, like I mean, it, like, think about it. Because at the end of the episode, you know, Melanie comes up to her door and she's, what does she say? She says, like, who do you think you are? You know, how dare you? Basically is what she says she to her. She was mad. Oh, yeah. she was, but she had <laughs> so every, mad. she did, she had every right to be. I would be livid when she finds <laughs> out that he wasn't on the turnpike. And A, she's been sitting in guilt for days. Right. Mm-hmm. And B, I mean, it's what she was fearing was happening all along. Right. And it, it, Becca totally deserved it. Like, she did. And Becca says that. She yeah. says, don't blame him. Like, this is all my fault. Like, please be mad at me. Like, I am, this is totally justifiable. I mean, I don't think she wants Melanie to, like, stick around keep yelling. But it's like, she's, <laughs> she's, it's almost like, a, like, it's baptism by fire. It's like, yes, please. Like, somebody yell at me. Somebody get mad. Someone lay I down a boundary. I make her feel better. Yeah, it's sort of like, good, yes, I need I need someone to rein me in here because I am completely out of control. I, I yeah. have a quick question. Yeah. How do you guys feel about Andy following this episode? Do you guys still look at him like, poor Andy? Tough yeah. Do you still feel that way? I think, I mean, I think I, I don't feel like poor Andy, but I feel more like Andy, I had held up Andy on this pedestal of like, there are a lot of shows that make that have these like lovable, genuine nerd characters. Like you think of uh, the Leonard character on Big Bang Theory, okay. where it's like they can do no wrong. Like everything they do is because they're a nerd. It means that like they have all these other super qualities that make them flawless. In aside from just being a nerd, you know? Mm-hmm. And so here we see Andy as a person. He's not just, like, a superhero nerd character, but he he makes poor decisions, too, just like everybody else. Yeah, I, th- I feel he's, he's a little more tainted to me now. I mean, he's a, he's got more of a well-rounded character now mm-hmm. because of what happened, but he was going to go cheat on his girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, that was yeah. the goal until his car flipped. 
You know, that was his. So now he, I'm a little. He's a little more tainted to me now. Well, I mean, he's it. It makes him more complex. You know, yeah. you would not. You wouldn't True. look at that guy. You think this is the guy in the Lands End rugby shirt who's never going to step out of line ever. Mm-hmm. And like, what's so interesting is that like for all of Andy's life in the original timeline, he sort of was that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the guy she was about to marry. It was like that guy in the rug, the grown up version of that guy in the rugby shirt was someone who'd never stepped out of line and that was what both drew her to him and also made her sort of like a little a little bored mm-hmm. and you know but now Andy's kind of been presented with a challenge you know he's, like he's the real I mean he's he's floundering you know, he doesn't know what to do, and there's nowhere to turn. Who can he ask? Yeah, and can we say with confidence that Melanie broke up with him? No. No. Because at the end, well, he puts her picture down. She yells at Becca. And she's packing her bag. And she's like, you both are, she calls them crazy. Or so I forget which the word she says. But she both, she's like, you and Andy are just, you Mor- know. Morally bankrupt. Yeah, you're morally yeah. bankrupt. So I would assume that she wouldn't want to be with someone that's morally bankrupt. Um, if she really believes that. What do you think, Becca? I... I actually felt Becca. You were thinking it in your mind. I know, um, but uh, you look like her. Stop. I know. You sorry. Just, I, know. I was like literally just like Becca. I'm like, I'm sorry. She's time tra- No, I actually see the actual Becca right here. She's time traveled, and I would like to ask her a question. So Becca, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. But actually, by the yeah. end of this, I think by the end of this episode, I actually had a little bit more respect for Andy because he was able to, you know, admit what he had done to Melanie, not proudly or anything, but just humbly admitted what he had done and recognized that he should, at this point in his life, he wants to be with somebody who is reliable and cares for him and that he cares for. And yes, it's not some like beautiful, intense romance that he's always wanted his whole life, but he's just recognizing how much he should be appreciating Melanie and what she does for him. And I think it kind of opens up the door by Becca stepping back. Um, it opens up the door to the possibility that she may not end up with Andy because they had their chance now early on in time that it kind of takes away from that 20 years from now, he finally got her because now he's already had her when those 20 years come. That's a, such a good point. Right. Is that what you Becca. were thinking? Yeah. <laughs> oh Thanks, Becca. No problem, guys. Uh, I know. Yeah, that's <laughs> your new name. It's a very fair point. Again, it's it's another one of those like chess pieces that got moved in a different direction and now the whole board looks different. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's Becca's kind of you know, she does say at one point in the episode at the kind of towards the end when they're both she and Lolly are sitting on the couch and they're like completely exhausted and wrecked from everything that's happened and she's like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit on this couch for the next 20 years and then I'm going to marry Andy and that's just how it's, you know, it's like she's just like, I'm done, I'm broken, like it's broken (laughs) me. But yeah, I mean the fact is now their whole history has changed, you Mm -hmm. know, the whole point in the original timeline was that they had kind of found each other again when they were like at like the tail end of their 30s and both single and kind of both like coming out of really like in some ways, like, sort of devastating breakups and, you know, in that way that people kind of find each other and they're like, okay, let's just, we're good friends, let's just get married and, like, Mm -hmm. just do this thing. I mean, do you think that could say, not to get into predictions, but, like, their relationship, present-day pilot episode, if she weren't to have gone back in time, they were to have gotten married, like, would they not have worked either? If they, you know, I will just... (laughs) 
not answer <laughs> that right now. Okay. Well, that's that's yeah. fair enough. It's no, no, no. It's it's it's. Uh, there's you should see our our writers' room looks like a beautiful mind. It's like there's all these like <laughs> I'm post-its sure. and like pebbles to find your way back. And it's it's. But there are all these sort of alternate timelines, all of which have been worked out. Mm-hmm. And it makes it very. It's like a mind bender, but at the same time, it's it's so helpful to us to know sort of like, well, this is what would have happened. Right, this is right. what is happening now. And this is what might happen next. Right. You have to do like a Venn diagram it's like of what could it's, possibly it's overlap. Of, yeah. <laughs> I have a diagram. question about the timeline. I read somewhere that the timeline, we're not going to see the present again. Can you confirm that or no? I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, great time to start talking about Lolly then. <laughs> I love Lolly, by the way. She's just such an amazing, mm. fun character and, you know, we still aren't completely sure what happened between her and Becca. I mean, she kind of, like, but not, we don't really know at we all. We don't know yet. And that is very much about Lolly and Jamie, I think. Yes. And this episode, Lolly proves how fickle. And wishy-washy. We, yeah, it seems actually I just looked over. She's like, nope. I'm like, okay, maybe. See, I feel <laughs> like, I, I feel like fickle is a poor word for Lolly. Because we have to remember that she just came out of, like, she's like, what, 22 or 23? 23. Yeah. And um, when I was 23, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I, like, I didn't know who I wanted to date. And, you know, sometimes that is hard where she's like, I really like this person, but I don't know if this is the right person for me. And he's doing some kind of bad things, but, like, he's in college. Yeah. Yeah. So think about how confused you were at 23, right? Just a normal person. And your best friend is not a time traveler. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, this is, add to that. Lolly, who's already, I mean, she's flaky, but she's not, she's not a bad person. She's not a bad person, and she's not afraid of commitment necessarily. But, so her friend has now come back and said, so you had this relationship with my brother that was his undoing, Mm -hmm. that was a disaster. Mm -hmm. And I have seen it, and I saw it happen, and I was there when he had to get his stomach pumped and all this other stuff. So, like... It's not it's not purely that Lolly is fickle or that Lolly is unsure about Jamie in the way that a normal 23-year-old is unsure about their boyfriend which everybody is. It's like in addition to that, she's fearful of like am I this guy's kryptonite? Like am I going to if I'm with him and I am so attracted to him and I want to be with him like badly, but at the same time I am so scared of what could happen. And she's trying to silence that, you know, and she's mm-hmm. trying to say like okay, if I know then I'll just undo it, right? I'll just I'll just make that not happen. But then she's like, she sees the signs, she, and everything's a sign. You yeah. know, he shows up to the Halloween party, and he's like pinpoint pupils, and he's like <laughs> all, you know. And she's like, oh, great, this is the thing. Could this that be, is could that be why she calls Kevin so quickly to try and forget, to try and move on from? That is definitely part of it. You know, she's sort of trying to. She's she is sort of like a little bit um she's she's hamstrung because she's she feels like she's now, she now has this information too mm-hmm. and so she's trying to sort of like adjust her own future in a way that maybe takes her down a different path so could cuz i feel that this episode it was a little bit harsh for her to break up with Jamie you know it came out of nowhere like yeah she met this other guy she knows about what's going to... Well, she re-met the other guy. Knows about what's going to happen in the future. Has been weary since Halloween. But it just kind of seemed like, I think I'm going to break up with Jamie. Like, what? Yeah. 
you know, you committed to him. And for her to do that after Becca told her what happened, it's like she had a chance then to back out of the relationship. She didn't. And she continued it. And now she's like, what happened? What, did it just all sink in for her? I think it did. I mean, getting out of town and going down to Chapel Hill, seeing her dad, I think, like, just, you know, in that way that you get a little perspective when you get some air between you and the person. And, like, you know, when when your misgivings start to, they get louder than your sort of, your impulse to be with someone, then, and you're 23, mm-hmm. and we all, I mean, I remember it as like I was like we were pinballs like we just couldn't you couldn't settle down anywhere it was like you were so afraid and like it was so I don't know it was pretty easy to get in and out of stuff yeah I mean not easy but like it was a done thing but there's such and there is such pressure on this relationship yeah and it's too much and I think she couldn't take it yeah and it's I mean to be honest her feelings were so strong for Jamie from the beginning that she was like, no, I don't want to back away from this, even yeah. the information she was given. But then she just got scared. and Right. Well, at first, I think she was sort of tantalized by it, where she was mm-hmm. like, ooh. Well, and it's like <laughs> that whole thing story. where you're like, this is my brother's, or my best, best friend's, friend's brother. brother. Like, come on. That's, like, that's, there's a level of interest there that goes beyond just him being Jamie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh. you know, you're sneaking around. Like, that's kind of, yeah. and, you know, there's a certain thrill to that. And, you know, I think there was... I think part of it was hiding it from Becca was kind of the fun part. And then mm-hmm. when it's sort of exposed to the light of day, a lot of things sort of wilt. Yeah. You know. And she could have continued it and she chose not to, which right. is good because, you know, we don't even know the timeline as to when he tried to kill himself or he just overdrank or I mean, do we know I think did he try to kill himself or did he just drink too much? Nah, he just he took pumped? too many pills. He was like, no, he I, I don't think it was I think it was a, a as many of these things are like a cry for help. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, we know in the future he didn't kill himself. So he right. just you know, he just he he kept hitting rock bottom. Here's a quick side question. Um I wasn't so Jamie and Lolly, like, didn't seem to know each other that well. And for friends that are so close, you know, it's like, when did Becca and Lolly meet that it didn't really overlap with, like, her getting to know Jamie? College. So they, That's what I thought. Yeah, I, I assumed in college because I was, like, in high school, like, you know, they no, if know you're a high other. school friend, you know your friend's brother. Exactly. College friend, yeah. you might not know your, you might not know your friend's brother that well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she, like, knew him. Like, they probably had, like, I don't know, like, Thanksgiving, whatever. Like, they sort of have met. Yeah. And they might have hung out a couple times. But, like, I don't think they, like, she didn't know him the way you know your, like, best friend from across the street. You see their brother every day of your life. (laughs) But, like, this was sort of like, oh, look, you have a... And, like, probably when she met him, which was, you know, whatever, you know, he's, he's, like, 21 now and they're 23. So she probably met him when he was, like... 15 and like sort of gawky and pimply and like didn't take notice and he's one of those guys with a bit of a late bloomer mm-hmm. so like then you're like oh look at your cute brother and she like <laughs> the time she hooked up with him was after Becca and Sean's rehearsal dinner for mm-hmm. their would be wedding right which is like rehearsal dinners are like <laughs> bets yeah. are off <laughs> what like, happens there stays there they just not. stay there mostly yeah. <laughs> Um, let's talk about Paige and Sean. This doesn't involve Becca, which is, like, one of the only storylines, but that it does eventually involve Becca. I like Paige a lot as a character. I think she's an amazing addition to the show. I feel terrible because I feel that life kind of, like, 
pooped on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like she gets all of these. Like, well, we discovered in the last episode that uh, she had to like emancipate herself from her parents, and then uh, the times that she she's genuinely like falling for Sean, but trying to be like a little protective of herself because of Becca. It's like Becca can just come in and swoop it and take it all away, and you're like, no, that's not fair. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not particularly fair, mm. and it's sort of like, but at the same time, it's it's realistic, and it's human, right. and it happens all the time. Oh, so yeah. it's sort of like, in that sense, you know, what's, what's so interesting about Paige to us is that Becca's never met her before. Mm-hmm. She is a completely blank slate yeah. for her mm-hmm. in terms of, like, you know, everyone else in sort of her immediate orbit is someone that she knows that she knows her whole life, and she sort of knows their future or what is now sort of a kind of, you know, fading version of their future. But Paige is like, I don't know, I never laid eyes on this girl before in my life. I don't know Mm -hmm. anything about her. And that kind of makes it fun and sort of this, like, you know, like a little bit of an open road in terms of their friendship. But, like, Paige definitely is getting caught in the crosshairs here because, you know, Sean is, like, kind of struggling. He's, like, trying to move on because that's what you got. You got to move on, right? But, and, you know, she he didn't know at first that she was in any way connected to Becca, um, but in that way that, you know, groups of friends tend to overlap. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, uh, Paige and Sean's relationship is, a, has these built in obstacles, which is that he's, his heart isn't yet completely free. And Paige is so guarded mm-hmm. and so, you know, in her own way, like uh, scared of being vulnerable and scared of opening up. And like, she really likes this guy, but at the same time, like, she doesn't have that setting. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't come, like, from like the factory with her like she's just she is always like on guard yeah yeah I mean it does very much seem like she came into the situation for a reason that's what I think I mean do you guys think that or you think she's just a random chick that was like came into this time travel situation and is just gonna get well I mean everything seems like it's it's part of the Mm -hmm. part of the new world now it seems like she's like I agree with that I was gonna say that Sean this guy Sean everything just works out for this guy (laughs) This guy, everything just works out for this guy. Um, the accent, yeah, that too. I call him the Seeker because he used to be on this other Although show. We, oh we yeah, do, he's on the Seeker. We yeah. do Legend know though that in his future, like his art business, kind of doesn't work out. So it's like it may seem like that now, but we know that his future is, like, or his future that was his future at, at the time he's, was not very bright. He's single again. He still gets to go on the honeymoon. He, uh, you, you know, he probably hooked up with somebody. I hope so. He still, <laughs> he comes back. He's got the flowing pullback hair, which I've tried to have because I got an afro and it didn't work. Right. So you know, uh, he's got a six pack, and now he's talking to an actress. Like, meanwhile, everyone around him, who you would think good things would be happening to, like Andy, right? The pre- the two people that she you thought that she would come back to actually help, everything is going crappy for them. But uh, Sean is just well, woo. he's hurting though. I feel like. Okay, but this is me obviously clearly already choosing a, a team. Okay. <laughs> but um, I I just feel like Sean is going to end up being in game for her, and I feel like things are working out for him because they need to for him to be ready for her later down the line. Like, I feel like Paige is a very important character to come into the story for him mm-hmm. and for Becca's sake because I think her being a fellow artist, which is, like, toxic for an actual relationship, like, two artists together, everybody knows, yeah. that's just good luck. <laughs> but anyways, but for the sake of helping inspire and progress each other's careers, I think that will occur in that relationship and then 
he will have created something with his artistry, and Becca will find him at a point when he is stable. So your team is Sean. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, was it the six pack? Was the six pack in the head? The ponytail? Was he had head? me at the accents. Yeah. I, I, the <laughs> accent. He came into audition and like he actually auditioned with the his like an American accent. Yeah. And but we but he came in and introduced himself with his you know in his native accent. We're all like. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, so that wasn't planned. To no, have it was like so he walks out of the he reads it in you know an American accent. He walks out and I can see him in the parking lot and I was like, can we bring him back right now, right this second? Because like I heard and I was like you know in my, it would be so easy to re I can rewrite this character as Australian like that yeah. right mm-hmm. dude he's Australian uh-huh. Australian <laughs> so like that was it was it was he just he was the only he he read that part really angry mm-hmm. and I thought that was so interesting because when you meet him he does have this like this angry streak but what's so interesting about his interactions with Becca through the course of this season and I don't want to give anything away but it's like he's sort of the one person in her life where she's she's actually sort of like in the macro sense, done him this huge favor, right? Yeah. By not marrying him. It's like, she doesn't marry him. So he meets this other girl. And whether or not that kind of progresses, it's still different. Mm. And it's still a, this powerful interaction that he has with another artist, someone who's really committed to what they're doing, who understands him on this level of like, I am also an artist. I, I get it. I see how your brain works. You know, whether we are destined to be together or not, it's like he has this like, kind of very meaningful, like, you know, sort of connection with her. Mm -hmm. And then from there, kind of like, his path is totally different. And he does become a different person. And, you know, of all the people in her life, you know, Becca sort of tried the least to, like, help him. Yeah. And yet offered him the most help. Mm-hmm. So that's the irony of their situation is that like she's she has, you know, in the and this is what I keep saying. It's like not all of these bad decisions are actually bad decisions and something that seems rash or something that seems heartless or something that seems like, you know, whatever it is, self-serving. It's like it's not in the way that it plays out, but you can't see that yet. And that's sort of what makes it all so interesting to like plan out in that beautiful mind kind of way. Oh, right, I just the got the chills. Did you get to the chills? <laughs> I did. It happens a lot sometimes when I talk about the show, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> um, let's talk about Sean and Becca even more, and what she decides to do at the end of the episode. Which I was like, are you serious? Really? Yeah, this that kind of threw me off too. This is yeah. what you're going to choose to do. So you know, Sean's about to go to Paige's play. And as he's walking out the door, you know, Becca is there and basically says she she says she wants to get back together and have things be like the way they were before. I'm like, what? You were just at Andy's bedside. Is this a is she's, this a rebound of a rebound? She's throwing everyone for a tizzy. That's I mean, she's she, again, like this is Becca casting around for an answer where it's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I am a wrecking ball. Like, I feel not just, like, I am not safe, but the people around me are not safe. And, like, the only thing she can think of to do is to kind of set everything back to where it was. Where she, st- she starts to think, like, the, the decision that I made that was wrong was the first decision that I made, which was to run out of that wedding. And, like, I think, and look, by the way, this is, I'm not saying this is, like, a good decision or a wise mm-hmm. decision or a decision that's going to, like, play out the way she thinks it's going to. But it's still, like, in this moment, she's trying to course correct. 
and saying like, okay, if I just put everything back the way it was, let me just get oriented once more because I am I am flying blind here. Like I don't know where I am. I don't know what's I I've got this one in the hospital. I got this one coming to my door <laughs> yelling at me. Like I don't. It's like I'm I'm like my hair standing on end. I'm so scared. And I think for her, kind of going back, you know, in the way that you retrace your steps, where you're like, I took a left turn back at whatever that road was, and now I'm completely lost. So I'm gonna I'm gonna walk backwards till I get back to where that I took that turn, and I'm gonna go the way I was planning to go. And I think that's what takes her back to Sean. Also, the fact that like she's had now enough time to think, like, God, look what I've done. Look what I did. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even like talk to him. I did like I like ran out of that wedding, and then we had like one conversation. Like that was you know, and it's sort of like in that way that sometimes you don't realize what you've done until you get a little distance, and then you kind of stop yourself and you're like, Oh my God, what did I do? Like, can I? Oh, God. and you know, it's sort of like in that sense that it's like never too late to kind of go back and and adjust something that's sort of what she's learning is like i might not get this opportunity to like go back in time again (laughs) but like i do have an opportunity to correct this right now and that's i think what takes her back to sean's door do we think it's just a fear of i mean she clearly still has always had feelings for him she loves him she loves him so it's easy to kind of pick up where they left off but at the same time it kind of seems like what drove her back to him was um andy getting hurt that was part of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's a huge part of it. I mean, that's kind of front and center. But that's not... I mean, I think it's it's everything. It's sort of the collective, you know, sort of pile on of like, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm out here. I'm in this, like, ship. I don't have any, like, oars. I gotta... I'm gonna go back. Yeah. I need oars. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll see where that happens. Let's kind of end and ask. We have some time for questions for us because I know we have a lot. What about a... Uh... The angel. That's what I'm about to get to is Xavier. Xavier. That's my first question. And that's where we're going to wrap up. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, I'm so anxious. Um, What, I mean, is this her guardian angel? He seems to not realize that he has a seer time travel companion. Like what, what, can you tell us all what's going on? I can't tell you too much about Xavier, um, except to say that the, 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 the mystery is sort of what, what defines him and and what makes him sort of interesting to us and sort of our in our in the broad scope of storytelling um uh i will tell you that um the xavier is not a guardian angel okay um you know xavier may or may not possess some wisdom about what she's going through um but he's sort of not there to tell her what to do He's sort of there to listen. And I think in that way that I think everyone kind of needs a sounding board in their life. What's nice about him is he's completely, at least seemingly, disconnected from her life entirely. You know, he has no skin in this game. It's like, well, tell me what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sometimes you get advice that you don't realize is advice. Like, you have to interpret it. No one just gives it to you. No one's going to say, well, you should do this and this and that. I mean, you know, here's your grocery list. Right. You know, that's sort of not his purpose. What? Yeah, I want to know his purpose. <laughs> I, I like how one moment it looks like he's in on it. Mm-hmm. And then the next moment he's like, what are you talking about? Right. Do you have a good day? Right. Big and that's sort of, that's, yeah. that's, that's, and I want everyone to keep, we want everyone to keep like, guessing. Does he know? And I, it looks like she's going through that too. She's like, yeah. Yeah. You do know. you know what I'm talking yeah. about? <laughs> <laughs> are we, can we wink at each other? Yeah. No. And he's like not winking back. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's, there is a grand design, um, 
uh, with that character that I I will I am excited for you to find out. I thought well, he was her yeah. doc, her doc, her flux uh-huh. capacitor. He was her something. Something. Yeah. something. I thought oh, I thought that in the beginning. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. There it is. He's the one. He's yeah. an important chess piece. I he is think. an important chess piece. Yes. Okay. So we'll leave it at that. Let's ask a few questions. Okay. Um. Let's start with you, Hannah. Do you have any questions for Miss Emily Fox? Um. How much how much time do you get to spend on set and be hands on with these characters and help them like understand what you were thinking when you were writing the script? Oh, we got to be on set a lot, which was really, really? funny. Yeah, we shot the show in Atlanta, nice. which is surprisingly close to here. Like, because <laughs> really? yeah, you don't. Okay, so here's us, right? And Atlanta is like straight across, mm-hmm. and it's not on the coast. So you don't go up the way you do to New York. You don't go down the way you do to Miami. It's like it's three hours. Like it's super. Oh. It's like Aww. close. It's kind of a nice little commute. Um, so uh, you know, I and um, our other EP John Norris got to be um, on the set basically the whole time. We sort of tag team. Awesome. We were there together, and then we got to like I came back and he was there, and then he came back and I was here there, and like we sort of got to you know, and then we had other two writers, Mike Harrow and Dave Strauss, who were also on the set, and then all the other writers got to come visit for their episodes. And Len Rosenfeld was there for five and. Uh, Meredith Philpott was there for six and Lenny, um, I'm sorry, Kenny Nybart was there for seven and it was really, it was so, it's so fun to be on the set. Yeah, like, as a writer, awesome. you're sitting in a room and you're like, it's all so abstract yeah. and post-its on the wall and then you see it actually happening. It's, there's a huge thrill in that. Yeah. I love being on the set. Like, it does not get old. Plus, there's always, like, snacks. <laughs> it's really fun. Plus, yeah, like, you get, it's like fun. To, it's like I'm not gonna lie. Like, it's kind of fun to be the boss. Yeah, yeah. Sure it's it just like, is it really cool for you all to hear the way the actors interpret what you may have written and how they view the situations and characters and be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they all brought so much to it. They all really interpreted it, and they all kind of had their own take on each character and. You know, they didn't, you know, they're pretty faithful to the script, but a lot of what's nice about having writers on set is they could come to us and say, like, I'm not quite sure I understand this scene or, like, how do you feel about changing this? And, like, it was very collaborative in that sense. I mean, That's they really weren't, cool. like, completely willy-nilly, like, improvising and whatever I mean, sometimes. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> then they kind of um, had a chance, really. And once we got to know the actors, because we wrote all the scripts before we even started shooting. Mm-hmm. And a lot oh, of wow. our casting was sort of a little bit late, in the, not super late, but, like, you know, some of the parts we cast... Um, you know, just as we were beginning to shoot. So a lot of the actors were kind of meeting them and being like, oh, hey, nice <laughs> to meet you. Like, <laughs> action, like, let's go, you know. So, um, but, uh, but they all brought something really different. It's about, you know, because it's in there, in your head, it's something. And then you meet the actor and you're like, oh, like, I hadn't pictured Becca as a blonde. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. I mean, I'm not a blonde. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, I figured, but, you know, she looks, otherwise she looks just like Becca. Well, I would, I'd like to get into you <laughs> We in the all show. look like Becca. I know. <laughs> Except for me. Um, me too. Me yeah, too. you too. Yeah, you I don't too. look like Becca. Uh, you look the most. <laughs> so, one last quick question for me is that, is this a personal, like, did you wish you could, like, travel? I mean, I wish... I could just travel back in time in general. Like, is this, you know, a very specific, like, how did this idea come up? It's so brilliant. And the music integration with VH1, like, was this all planned? Far I advanced? have a question that goes into your question. Uh-huh. And okay. so not to, like, throw too much at you, but I heard it was shopped somewhere else before VH1. And I'm curious about the music being a part of it initially mm-hmm. or not. Yeah, no, initially it was really about this character. Mm-hmm. It was not about the 90s. It was not about this necessarily this um, 
time period. It was not even supposed to really be set in the 90s. It was actually originally it was, the time jump was from 2009 to 1999. Mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. when it was set up at a different network. And that was just a very different show. And I mean, not very different. It was actually virtually the same script, but we just moved it around a bit. Because it's one thing to write a pilot and it's another to create a series. Because mm-hmm. like with a pilot, you're just trying to come up with an interesting premise. You're just trying to make a huge mess and which you promise to clean up in the series. You're like, well, one by one, I'm going to put all these puzzle pieces back together. <laughs> but so initially, it was really just about the notion of this character getting to go back and rethink these big decisions in her life and how that's such a universal fantasy and how everybody kind of sort of wants to do that, even if you're really happy in your life. Like, I would go back to, like, the like the college mm-hmm. just to do it again. Mm. <laughs> you know, just to, like, I wouldn't change it. I mean, I don't think I... Here's what I would change. There's a couple classes I wouldn't take. <laughs> um, but, like, I just... Just to, like, the joy of that. Like, just to be like, oh, I'm back I'm in college. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm 19. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> but, like, the truth is, like, I think the, um you know, the... the 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 fantasy was where it started, mm-hmm. and then VH1 bought the script, um, optioned the script, and then bought the script. And we redeveloped it and kind of you know refocused it a little bit so that it was set in the '90s. And the music thing, I mean, honest to God, that didn't even really factor into it until we were cutting the pilot together and sort of saying like, "Oh my God, you know what we need? Oh, you know what we need here? Oh, do you know what we need here? Oh, let's just look <laughs> through my iTunes library and get all these songs." So like then it became like, "Oh yeah, there is a huge opportunity here for like and we I think we always thought it like in the back of our heads, but then when you actually get to like lay in these tracks mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh, oh like, I love that song." This is so perfect for VH1 it's so and it's yeah. Yeah. bringing it, it back the 90s. Sadly, this is all the time we have for tonight. I could oh, no. sit with you all freaking night and ask you so many questions. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, please, again, follow us on Twitter, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Rate Thank us on you. iTunes. And yes. yes, of course, iTunes. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.